the world is full of wonders. Magic is hidden in small moments. And monsters could be hiding just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to the Storyteller Squad. You're about to listen to a narrative recap of our first season. If you'd prefer to listen to us play out the story session by session, you should look for episode one, Origins in Autumn Falls. But with this handy recap, you can catch up a little faster and avoid some of our early production growing pains. Every podcast has to start somewhere, but we've learned a lot and picked up better equipment since our humble beginnings. We love our story a whole lot. So now you can settle in for the highlight reel and skip some of those summer sessions full of chirping crickets and hotel room recordings that we made when we were young, dumb, and unafraid podcast newbies. Now, before we truly begin, let's check in with the squad. As we say around here, it's time to panic about intros. Hi, I'm Brittany, and I play Raven Eugenia, and I am also the squad's event coordinator. Hi, I'm Mel. I play Felicity Starnbrook, and I'm our local social media goblin. <laughs> Hello, I'm Durs, and I play Damien Edgecrest, and I am the conductor of the hype train. Woo-woo! <laughs> hey, I'm Aday, and I play Hugo Rashad, and I am also the team's hydration and self-care admin. It's an essential role. We desperately need it. <laughs> so important. It's what it's all about. Hi, my name's Emery. I play Agent Lonnie Whitaker, and sometimes I make art for the show. Really beautiful art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. When we earn it from you. <laughs> it's a treat. <laughs> and I'm Natalie. I play Aiden Brightwood, along with everyone and everything else in the story, as your keeper of monsters and mysteries. So, if you're sure you're ready for spoilers, let's... Have an adventure. Our story begins in Autumn Falls, a sleepy small town in the Pacific Northwest. Along with its cozy lo-fi atmosphere, the residents are all quite proud of their town's colloquial reputation for being not quite ordinary. And it's because of some unusual circumstances that we first meet the heroes of our story. A young couple's camping trip ends in tragedy when Chase Warren is attacked and killed. His fiancée, Inari, manages to escape, but her claims of a ferocious beast being behind the attack have local authorities stumped. We return to their campsite, as two figures meet while investigating the scene of the supposed animal attack. Hmm. Well, this isn't good. Hugo Rashad, the initiate. Hugo is a member of The Whispered, a group of monster hunters steeped in tradition and a rigid code of secrecy who use the magic of their enchanted tattoos to help them defend ordinary people from the things that go bump in the night. Hugo is creeping around the crime scene, even though he probably shouldn't be. Monster hunting is a dangerous business. Seems like I'm not the only curious investigator in Autumn Falls tonight. Agent Whitaker. As his name implies, he's the professional. 
Agent Whitaker works for the ISTI agency, the U.S. government's covert paranormal research and defense division. That doesn't explain the accent, though. Whitaker doesn't like to talk about what happened back home. Besides, he's got to focus on the mission at hand. Whatever happened here isn't pretty. Why were you poking around again? That's a good question. I could ask you the same thing. But there's no time for that. Another hero is about to be introduced. And arrested? I just wanted to sit in the front seat. I wasn't going to steal the car, officers. Damien Edgecrest, the monstrous. A flashy fashion fiasco of a demon. Damien is taken into custody by the Autumn Falls deputies when his envious nature places him at the scene of the crime and about to drive off with a police cruiser. I just get excited sometimes, and I've got sticky fingers. But that is perfectly normal for a gooey green slime, I think. Don't worry, adventurers, this won't slow me down for long. It does let Hugo and Whitaker slip away unnoticed. In the morning, we meet the rest of our heroes at the local 24-hour diner, the Maple Leaf. Oh, uh, welcome to the Maple Leaf. I'll be right with you. Raven Eugenia, the Flake. Raven's a local who grew up in Autumn Falls and waitresses at the Maple Leaf. She's witchy, a little outdoorsy. She's sporty goth. She's worked at the diner since high school, but she'd much rather be writing or reading articles for her cryptid sighting and supernatural encounters online forum, The Watcher's Grimoire. We're spending time with me, since we're best friends now. Sorry, what? Who are you? Felicity Starnbrook, the spooky. Awkwardly whimsical in the way only someone who's been able to see magical spirits their whole life might be. Spirits like Ghosty, a small furry critter sporting a crow skull for a face, and Tom, a chipmunk with a fluffy squirrel tail and dragonfly wings. Don't forget about the tree that I talked to. You're full of surprises, huh? Like when you saved my life the other day? Thanks, by the way. Aiden Brightwood, another waitress at the Maple Leaf. Aiden is somewhat new to town, which is strange since she has such strong girl-next-door energy. Wait, I thought that was my role on the team. Of course, we don't want to forget about everyone's favorite sorority sister, Bethany Miller, the mundane. Don't think that means boring. Bethany is surprisingly sweet and insightful, even if she's technically from our neighboring rival town, Vernal Springs. I'm a psych major and a barista. I get people. That's good because I don't. Shall we all head to the Bloodhouse now? What? What? I saw it in a vision. We all end up there. Come on! After some early investigations into the nature of the murder, our heroes noticed some suspicious signs indicating that Chase might have been the victim of a kitsune, a dangerous and crafty fox spirit. Thanks to Felicity's prophetic visions and a distressing phone call Bethany gets from her coworker, our heroes all wind up at Chase and Inari's home. There they find Bethany's coworker in critical condition and discover that Inari is actually the kitsune who attacked Chase. In their first fight against a real monster, Damien reveals his gloopy demonic nature to the team. But he's not the only one sharing secrets. Aiden manages to protect the group from Inari, using her angelic abilities to avoid the bloody future that Felicity's vision predicted. Surprise! Aiden Brightwood, the Divine. Our chill lo-fi lesbian has some splainin' to do! Back at Aiden's apartment, everyone agrees to work together to try and stop anyone else in town from getting hurt. Luckily, there's a surprising amount of monster-fighting experience between the secret agent, whatever Hugo's deal is, and the freaking angel in the room. Inari tries to get the upper hand by reporting the group for breaking and entering, but plans on both sides quickly break down and we battle it out at the police station. With some wibbly-wobbly, timey-slimy magic from Felicity, Damien is able to life-drain Inari and finish the fight. We learn right away that some victories come at a cost. 
Despite activating her divine healing ability, both Aiden and Raven have to spend the night in the hospital to recover. Whitaker calls in the agency cover-up team, and Hugo is reprimanded by whispered leadership for working so openly with his conspicuous new allies. You guys, that was our first ever monster fight. I think we've all earned some boba, bonding time, and retail therapy. Summer's Crest Mall, anyone? Unfortunately, group bonding time is cut short by the arrival of some hellhounds, courtesy of Aiden's younger sister, Azazel, demon lord of wrath from the place apart. Yeah, I meant to mention, some of my siblings are the worst. What the hell, Aiden? Exactly. Speaking of, things don't go so well for our demonic friend Damien, and while fighting Azazel's flaming fur babies, he's killed and sent back to the place apart. What the hell, Azazel? The fight doesn't go great for the rest of the crew either. It's only thanks to some help from Granny Jones, an old witch who runs the local bookstore, and her sweet satyr assistant, Mira, that they keep the entire mall from burning down. Ah, Mira. Happy to help, Felicity Starnbrook. Are you okay, my dear? (laughs) I get it. My dear. Yeah, Felicity fell in love instantly, and maybe made a pact with Mira? They didn't really have time to ask about the details, because everyone was too worried about Damien being dead. Granny Jones gives the hunters some very basic summoning guidance, and even though Aiden wasn't excited about it, they performed a ritual to bring Damien back. (sighs) Thanks, everyone. The place apart is... Oh, it sucks. Things settled down a little after that. As much as they could for a group with an ever-increasing affinity for supernatural phenomena. Raven was gifted a tarot card deck by Granny Jones and discovered she could use it as a focus for casting spells. She summoned and bonded with her new familiar, a jackalope spirit, who she named Windy. Felicity continued to unlock her magical potential, expanding her control of gravity and physics manipulation. We even met a troll and helped settle a dispute between some house elves that were causing trouble around Bethany's house. Oh yeah, that was when I gave Aiden a new makeover. Yeah, why did that happen again? I had a feeling Raven might like it. That wasn't why we did that. It wasn't not why we did it. Anyway... Things are about to get a whole lot less wholesome. Whitaker followed Hugo back to the Autumn Falls Natural History Museum one night. He tailed Hugo through the secret passage to the underground complex that the Whispered used to meet each other in secret. Key phrase there, in secret. The Whispered have a strict no-guests policy, and an even stricter no-witnesses policy. The Whispered sent out skilled members of their order to capture Whitaker and Aiden, and bring Hugo in for questioning. As it turns out, several young adults from Autumn Falls are members of the Whispered, inducted into the society through familial connections. With three heroes' lives on the line, it's a good thing the rescue team consisted of three painfully inexperienced young women and their impetuous, obnoxious slime friend. To their credit, they did manage to disrupt the trial proceedings. Hugo rallied the younger members of the Whispered behind him in opposition of the kill order, and so, Whitaker and Aiden were spared, and the Whispered chapter in Autumn Falls was forever changed. With the threatening power of social media, we ruined hundreds of years of monster hunting tradition. It was awesome. I was once again, as the elders put it many times before, a problem. <laughs> Tough cookies for them though, right? Because, you know, Hugo kind of became the de facto leader. <sighs> Hugo, Aiden, as far as life-threatening situations go, Would you be surprised to hear that wasn't my worst one? Whitaker confided to Aiden and Hugo that before he came to the States, he was attacked by a vampire who stole 30 years of his life. 
In reality, Whitaker isn't much older than the rest of us, despite all those gray hairs. Isn't much older than most of us. Well, we can't all be blessed with celestial immortality, Aiden. Some of us need a skincare routine. After bringing the Whispered into the 21st century a little, and growing closer as friends, it seemed high time to connect this promising team of monster hunters with the Eastie Agency. So Whitaker invited everyone on a road trip to the Agency headquarters in Portland, Oregon. Only Bethany wasn't coming with us. No, she wasn't. Her family was moving, and she decided to take the chance to go live in New York with her sister. Monster hunting was not her top career choice, and we all understood where she was coming from. Your girl is going to be fighting a different breed of demons as a clinical psychologist. Bye! One short road trip later, and we found ourselves walking into the central headquarters of the foremost paranormal research and protection agency in the country, the Eastie Agency. Whitaker had to check in with his superiors, so we were handed off to another pair of agents, Max Spiegel and Hilary Ross. Howdy, y'all. Let's get this tour over with. Answering the age-old question, can a cowboy and a goth lady be friends? Co-workers? Roommates? Anyway, while getting the basic orientation tour of the Eastie Agency, a creepy radio announcer ghost shut down all of the electronics in the facilities and trapped everyone inside. Damien, is this your fault? Not this time. It was me, the voice on the airwaves. The voice on the airwaves seemed keen on playing head games with our hunters. Somehow his ghostly electric powers allowed him to inflict flashbacks of their most insecure or sad memories. It shouldn't have been a surprise that this affected Aiden the worst, but it was still awful. Yeah, I hate that guy. Also, flashbacks? I don't remember watching a village burn down. Whose memory was that? And is Aiden okay? While everyone else was dealing with the radio ghost, Whitaker was dealing with a tense situation of his own, navigating the hijacked agency with director Olivia Eastie. All right, Whitaker, stay sharp. The agency hasn't had a breach like this since my mother was director. At this point, it might be important to mention he suspects she's a vampire, so no pressure. Fortunately, Olivia seemed focused on the task at hand until the radio ghost trapped her in cold storage, the agency's warehouse facility full of confiscated magical assets. Once the team was able to regroup, they confronted the static specter in Olivia's office on the top floor of the building. Felicity's unbridled magic made quick work of the spirit, but unleashing that much magic? Well, it wasn't surprising that it sent her to the infirmary for a while. Yeah, but it was fine. She got better, and everyone else was fine too. Aiden even got a kiss from that goth with the giant sword. That wasn't what it looked like. Okay, maybe I don't understand human relationships, but I know what kissing looks like. Whatever, it is time for my favorite part of the story. With a win under their belts, the hunters agreed that a night off would be good for everyone. Damien insists that the group check out a place he knows called The Moment. Turns out it was a freaky supernatural establishment with even freakier staff and patrons. The night of clubbing goes about how you'd expect it to. A round of shots, dancing, talking loudly to people over the music, another round of drinks, angelic panic attack, deftly avoiding fate trickery, another round of drinks, DJ Chimera rave, chasing suspect, losing them, more drinks, rideshare back to our agency accommodations, pass out. With a good night's sleep, at least for the folks who need that, the team decides to keep investigating the suspicious trail left by a gang of shifters in Portland. 
The search leads them to an old warehouse in the industrial district. The squad fumbles their attempt at stealth, and the covert operation quickly devolves into an all-out battle against the werebear, Cade Tolvane, and his cohort of fierce furry friends. This fight felt different. The stakes were higher than ever before, and no one was going to come save us if we screwed up. And we did. A lot. My first time trying to summon another spirit besides Windy was disappointing to say the least. But we had to save the baby storm spirits. It wasn't fair what was happening to them. How could anyone be cruel enough to turn spirits into a power source? The hunters did manage to rally, and someone else did show up to help. Hugo's friend from the Whispered, Jordan Rivers, rode in on their motorcycle and challenged Tolvane. Gotta say, having a werewolf on our side really helped shift the tide. That and Hugo calling the mother storm spirit into the warehouse. Together with Felicity, she destroyed the magical cage holding her chicks and finally freeing them. Raven's second summoning attempt went much better as she called forth a second storm spirit to parlay with the angered mother and convinced her not to rain down stormy vengeance upon the city. We were all a little worse for wear by the end of that fight. Can't imagine getting hit by lightning was any fun, Hugo. All I'm saying is this better not become a regular thing. Uh, guys? I've been impaled? What? Felicity! Oh my god. Healing magic is really clutch, even if it doesn't go perfectly every time. At least the hunters were all still standing, and the shifter gang was thoroughly defeated. Whitaker suspected they might have been working for King Octopus, a Portland crime boss he had been trying to take down for years. But the criminal webs being woven in Portland were about to get a whole lot more complicated. As everyone got some rest back at the Eastie Agency, Damien took to spinning some webs of his own, transforming into a spider in order to snoop around Olivia Eastie's office. As luck would have it, Damien overhears a conversation between Olivia and King Octopus, heavily implying they share a tenuous working relationship. To make matters even more spicy, it seems Olivia and the radio ghost are also in cahoots, and there may be even something more between them? Roommates? Rushing back to tell everyone, Damien shares the news about Director Eastie with the group. The hunters begin to wonder who they can really trust within the agency. I'm gonna trust Prithi Devon. They're a tech genius, head of security, and the closest thing I have to a friend here. If anyone can dig up information within the agency, it's them. You're damn right! You can trust me with anything! Spill the tea, old man! Whitaker shares his suspicions about Olivia's vampiric nature with Prithi and the team. And Prithi gives the hunters access to a list of individuals the agency is keeping tabs on. Oh, I don't like this next part. Uh, which part, Hugo? Huh, I don't remember. While Raven, Felicity, and Whitaker speak to folks at the agency, Hugo, Damien, and Aiden follow a lead to the small occult emporium of Dr. Aranya Kabe. This enigmatic and frankly unnerving gentleman didn't take kindly to Damien's shenanigans, and in an attempt to not make the worst first impression ever, Hugo agreed to exchange information with Kabe. The caveat being that when Kabe trades in intel, he means that literally. Dealing with this spidery spirit means trading your memories in exchange for someone else's, which has its upsides and downsides. It doesn't seem safe to me. Duly noted. Whatever. That guy was an asshole. Can we go clubbing again? Olivia Eastie asks to meet with Whitaker, and to say he was suffering from paranoid anxiety would be underselling it. On the verge of a panic attack? Not inaccurate. In their meeting, Director Eastie expressed concern for Whitaker, noting his rather haggard demeanor. She suggested 
firmly that Whitaker step back from the King Octopus investigation and give his Greenhorn team some lower profile field experience. Her reasons for not wanting anyone digging too deeply into King Octopus's affairs seemed clear at this point, but Whitaker worried that any pushback might endanger his new friends. Choosing to prioritize his team's safety over his own vendetta against the director, Whitaker agreed to undertake a new case in British Columbia. Before heading to Canada, our hunters make one final risky play and visit the Deep End, the nightclub owned and operated by none other than King Octopus himself. The high-end establishment, housing a massive central aquarium tank, presented a few obstacles for our particular group of heroes. Well, I can't be seen in there. I don't like clubs. I like clubs too much. Aquariums freak me out. I could go with you. Uh, okay, yeah. Hang on, where's Damien? VIP lounge, motherfuckers! Damien manages to get himself admitted into the lower levels of the descending club and into the areas exclusive to supernatural clientele. Unfortunately, his disguise is almost immediately clocked by security, and he is brought before King O himself. The watery kingpin lets Damien go with a warning, noting that he'd rather not instigate any family drama between the different demon lords they ostensibly serve. Damien fails to mention that he stopped taking orders from Leviathan years ago. And so, our heroes travel to Canada, to the remote but quaint campsite of Echo Bay. Here, they meet the famed adventurer scientist Aaron Pike, and his team of researchers and wildlife experts who are visiting the marina, attempting to find evidence of the lake monster rumored to inhabit the bay. Under the guise of being there for a family vacation, the hunters meet the groundskeeper, Gary Auburn, who seems to know an awful lot about the purported Willituck Lake Monster. When they get a moment alone, Gary reveals that he sent the request for help to the agency through his cousin, Norm Northunder, the abominable snowman who works as the foreman of the agency's cold storage facility. Wait, you're Norm's cousin? Yeah, hey there. Uh, my name's Gary, but uh, you might know me as Sasquatch. I really need your help to keep the existence of Willow and her young offspring just a rumor for casual tourists and not a sensationalized scientific discovery. I'm trying to keep my family under the radar up here too, you know. In case you're wondering, yes, this is when things get serious. Some of the team managed to befriend Pike and his team and join them on their boat, hoping to sabotage the researchers' attempts at locating the lake creature or her baby. Other members of the team follow from a distance in Gary's boat to run interference as well. In the process, Damien winds up in rough shape and asks Felicity if he can life drain her in order to heal himself. She agrees, but this ends poorly and she passes out. Woo! I've never felt anything like that before. It was like drinking from an entire ocean. Meanwhile, the hunters on Pike's boat end up in a confrontation with the Willituck monster. And during the chaos that follows, Whitaker falls overboard and is whisked away through a watery portal when the creature flees. He is rescued and pulled aboard another boat, being piloted by everyone's favorite goth and cowboy duo, Ross and Spiegel. He is horrified to learn that they are on a personal mission in Scotland. Welcome home, Whitaker? Back at Echo Bay, Aiden is pissed to hear about Damien using his powers on Felicity, even though she seems to be recovering well enough. Pike and his team grow suspicious of the group, and suddenly our hero's close-knit team seems to be splintering apart piece by piece. 
giving everyone a chance to cool off. Raven spends some time examining the evidence they have on the lake creature. Eventually, she figures out that these lake creatures must be able to travel the world, magically jumping from various bodies of water using the underwater portals, and thus creating the prevalence of lake creature sightings all around the world. The hunters in Echo Bay reconcile and agree to join Gary for dinner with his family. The Auburns are the best. Bat Squatch, I mean, Vivian, was so nice to us. Danny the Dog Squatch is a good kid, the goodest boy. Aiden asked the group for help unlocking a portion of her power that she locked away from herself a long time ago. She said it was after a tragedy in her past, but wouldn't get into the details. In their second use of big magic, the hunters reconnect Aiden with the portion of her powers she'd cut herself off from, and with them restored, she's able to sense Whitaker's presence across the Atlantic and teleport to him in order to bring him home. Except we didn't go back right away. No, we didn't. Ross's personal mission included traveling to a cavern containing a giant's tomb, specifically Orden, the Fomorian king. Spiegel explained that this place is where Ross's haunted giant sword came from. Aiden appeared just as Ross kicked off some kind of memory communion with the spirit trapped within her sword. Despite Spiegel's warnings, Aiden approached Ross while she was entranced, and they proceeded to relive a memory from Aiden's past, where she witnessed the death of her former partner Freya, who was killed in a battle with King Orden, the original wielder of Ross's blade. After the vision ended, Ross frantically started arguing with Aiden about needing to take action against someone who was too powerful for her own good. Aiden refused, and the two of them fell into an all-out brawl. Speaking of memories, back in Echo Bay, the hunters return to their cabin but realize Raven's journal and all of her notes on the lake monsters are missing. Hugo makes another memory trade with Dr. Kabe, who shows Hugo the memory of a shadowy smoke creature sneaking into the agency undetected and killing one of King O's henchmen from the warehouse. With the other clues in the cabin, the hunters realize the smoke creature must have been the one who stole the notebook, which means King O has been connected to this hunt for the lake monsters the entire time. And now the research team had confirmation that the creature they were looking for was real. The hero's cover was totally blown and Pike's team was already about to go back on the hunt. Don't worry, we can call Damien and have him distract them. I'll use my shape-shifting to disguise myself as a private eye. I can say I'm investigating Whitaker's disappearance. That should distract them long enough. It didn't. But with Gary's help, the hunter set off in his boat to intercept Pike's team and save the baby lake creature. Damien trailed Pike's boat as various sea creatures and managed to witness King O's assassin, the shadowy Dullahan Lena, helping Pike's traitorous first mate turn on the rest of their team. Cook's loyalty had been bought by King Octopus, who once again was trying to get his hands on a young spirit creature for some reason. As the Dullahan took off to inform King O of Cook's success, Damien came aboard and faced off against Cook one-on-one. -on -one. It ain't over till it's over, baby. Somebody better call an ambulance. But not for me, Life Drain! The rest of the team in Gary's boat worked to free the baby lake creature from the net they had been captured in. Raven summoned an otter spirit from her tarot deck to help rescue more of Pike's team. Felicity helped the mother lake creature return from Scotland and reunite with her baby. And Hugo gets seasick. He's not really good on the water. Pike's ship starts to sink but the hunters manage to rescue the rest of Pike's team before it goes under. Damien considers retrieving evidence of Cook's sabotage and betrayal, but decides not to risk staying in Leviathan's watery domain any longer than he already has. The group 
limps back to shore in Gary's boat, somehow having managed to save everyone involved. Back in Scotland, after the fight between Ross and Aiden is resolved, Whitaker had questions for his angelic friend. A simple explanation? Felicity was the person Ross had been briefly freaking out over. And not only that, both women believe Felicity is a reincarnation of Aiden's daughter, Ashling, who was killed the same day Freya had died fighting the giants. Well, shit. So are you going to tell her? No, not yet. But I am going to protect her this time. I can't fail at that again. Aiden, I'm I'm so sorry. Thanks, Whitaker. You're way better at hugs than I expected a secret agent would be. We should get back. Once the hunters turned Cook over to the authorities and said our goodbyes to Gary and his family, they returned once again to Autumn Falls. Raven was invited to take part in some whispered training along with Hugo and the other younger members of the group. She discovered a new summoning technique where she could merge with the spirits she called on to borrow their abilities. Playbook change alert! Raven moves from being the flake to being the searcher. It's a little hard to self-identify as a true believer once you learn all the stories about magic and monsters are real. Now I just want to learn everything about it. And while we're at it, Hugo. Want to switch things up a little? Sure. Hugo drops his role as initiate and becomes the spellslinger. His tattoos are progressing rather fast. What else did you expect? All magic comes with a price. But isn't Hugo the leader of the Whispered now? Didn't that oracle, Miss Graves, say you were the catalyst for great change within the Whispered? Uh... Cool new powers, guys, but I've got even more exciting news. Oh, hey, let's focus on that instead. Wait, but I took Mira on a date! It was very cute. They shared a picnic. Oh, and Mira brought Felicity to something called a haven. The havens are small, beautiful fragments of paradise left over from the Celestial War. The folk can travel to them if they're taught how to find them. Or so I'm told. In the lull between missions, Whitaker and Damien visit a firing range, but leave quickly after a doppelganger slime demon attacks them both. What was that about, Damien? Ooh, sorry, Whitaker. We can't dwell on that right now. It's girls' night, and Felicity is having a sleepover. Damien, this seems serious, and... Fuck's it, you're not even a girl. Technically, I'm not a boy either. Bye! Whitaker's return home came with the discovery of two unexpected guests, agents Bert Sayre and Prithi Devon, who had followed up on some of Whitaker's suspicions about Olivia Eastie. Cold storage searches revealed that an agent O. Eastie had recovered the Radio Ghost artifact in 1947, which could indicate that Olivia is much older than she appears, and is more tangible evidence of her connection to the Radio Ghost. Any other evidence concerning her dealings with King Octopus or her suspected vampirism remains circumstantial and inconclusive. However, before the trio of agents could start to discuss further investigation, another slime demon emerged from Whitaker's sink and attacked. Whitaker wasn't the only one with demonic visitors. Hugo got a call from Whispered members Rhea and Zuri Singh, who were desperately trying to defend their father from a demon construct made of trash and ocean detritus. And a slime demon crashed my sleepover! You said it was okay for me to be here! Not you, the other one! And we got word that Gary and some of Pike's former team were being attacked up in Echo Bay. What is happening? The hunters broke off to handle the scattered demonic attacks. Hugo and the Singh family barely managed to defeat the crab construct. Felicity and Damien overpowered the slime attacking Felicity's mom, who was less than thrilled to learn about the existence of monsters and magic. Whitaker and his fellow agents eradicated the slime demon coming after Prithi, though Whitaker's camper took some collateral damage. 
Aiden and Raven teleported to Echo Bay to destroy the demon attacking Gary and the scientists from Pike's crew. Well, I got us close. We did wind up in the lake initially. You were awesome, though. That Bumblebee spirit armor looked great on you. Thanks. I really liked flying with you afterwards, too. That was nice. Do you two need a moment, or can we get back to the story? It's about to be all about me again. Shut up, Damien. Sorry, Damien. With the demons in the immediate area dealt with, everyone regrouped back at Whitaker's trailer. Reports from Eastie agents all across the country start to flood in on Whitaker, Prithy, and Bert Sayre's phones. Hundreds of demon attacks all happening at once, all seeking the same thing. Damien Edgecrest. It turns out that every time Damien had used his demonic powers of persuasion on someone, it left a mark. A mark that Leviathan's hordes were using to try and track Damien down. But why? Felicity remembers allowing Damien to life drain her essence back in Echo Bay. Aiden eventually realizes that somehow, by life draining Felicity, Damien had acquired a divine spark and elevated himself from demon spawn to demon lord. With this spark of creation, the other demon lords would start hunting for Damien to try and acquire it for themselves in order to break the cosmic truce that ended the celestial war and banished them to their exile in the place apart. Why does no one else look excited about this? I am finally getting the recognition I deserve. This is awesome. No, no, no. This is extremely bad, Damien. If the Demon Lords get their hands on the spark and break the truce between Paradise and the place apart, it could start another celestial war. The last war shattered Paradise. If my siblings start fighting with each other again, it would be an apocalyptic event. Okay. That's less cool. Maybe we should... Where did he go? Oh no. Felicity, what did you just do? I... I thought I would try to banish the spark from him, but I guess I banished all of him. You sent him to the place apart? I didn't mean to. Oh God, Damien! Damien arrives, suddenly back in the place apart. The sand-blasted wasteland hellscape stretches out endlessly as the constant howling winds whip around him. Screams echo above the wind as lightning crackles in the dirty red-brown sky above. The demon lords sense his presence, and Leviathan, Azazel, and Asmodeus converge on his location. Meanwhile, back on Earth, the heroes scramble to try and summon Damien back before the spark can be taken from him. Raven and Hugo do their best, but in their panic, the spell fails, and instead of summoning Damien, a hellmouth opens in the Earth outside of Whitaker's trailer, and everyone can only watch through this opening as Asmodeus makes it to Damien first. Aiden rushes to Whitaker's side and demands that he shoot her, point blank. Aiden, I, I can't just- Do it, Whitaker! The gunshot rings out, and the hunters see Aiden's form fall to the ground. 
as Medeus, clutching Damien's slime form, is about to rip the spark away. And Aiden appears in a golden flash, knocking her younger brother away from Damien and shielding the little green slime with her wings. As the only angel to never choose a side in the celestial war, her exile bars her from paradise and the place apart. Instead, slingshotting her spirit between the two cosmological extremes before sending her back to Earth. She vanishes with Damien, and the two of them appear back on Earth, falling from the sky. Whew. Thanks for coming to save me. Welcome to the family. As Medeus regards the hunter staring down into the place apart through the magical window between the planes, Felicity feels the demon lord fix his gaze on her just as the opening of the Hellmouth closes. Damien lands with a splat. Aiden's spirit falls back into her body, and the other hunters rush to heal her as she sits up. Whitaker receives a phone call from Olivia Eastie. She's just dealt with a demon attack herself, and she orders him to track down Damien and bring him in. Whitaker accepts the assignment, but lies and claims that Damien escaped, unwilling to just hand the spark over to Olivia. Prithy and Burr agree to cover for Whitaker at the agency and do what they can to buy the hunters time to figure out a solution. Knowing that the demon lords wouldn't wait long to attack again, everyone agrees that they have to leave town to distance themselves from their families. Raven tells her parents she's going on a work trip for her new job. Felicity says goodbye to her mom. Hugo calls in a favor from Whispered member Rianne Hillcrest, a powerful sorcerer masquerading as a young priest in town. Rianne is able to give the hunters amulets to help mask their exact whereabouts from the demon lords. And with that, the hunters pile into Whitaker's truck, hauling the soon-to-be-cramped mobile home behind them, and leave Autumn Falls, a cozy little town known for being not quite ordinary. Road trip! Woo! I cannot wait for season two. Thank you for joining us, adventurers, for this recap of our season one adventures. We hope you've enjoyed meeting our cast of supernatural heroes. You're now ready to pick up with our second season, which begins with episode 30. Go east, young monster hunters. But feel free to go back and listen to these earlier episodes, too, if you want to fully experience all the fun smaller details we had to condense here. You can also simply continue with this summary series with our recap of season two. Whatever you decide, we hope to see you again soon. Take care, adventurers. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Come back soon. Love ya. Bye.